And why don't we pray and then we're going to read God's word. Our Father, what a, what a privilege to be here this afternoon, to be able to sing your praise, to be reminded of your character, that you are faithful and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love. Lord, what a God you are. And we pray that in your faithfulness and abounding love, you might even speak to us this afternoon. Lord, please teach us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're going to read the end of 2 Thessalonians 2. If you know 2 Thessalonians 2, you'll know that that is me being um, a chicken, a coward. Um, if you don't know 2 Thessalonians 2, go home and read it later, and you'll realize why I'm preaching the end of it, not the first half. <laughs> the, the, the first half is a very complicated and much disputed passage, which we could look at sometime, but we're going to look at the second bit. Um, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13 to the end. And in particular, we're going to just look at verses 16 and 17, which are where we're going to find this. So 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 13. But we ought always to thank God for you, brothers and sisters, loved by the Lord, because God chose you as first fruits to be saved through the sanctifying work of the Spirit and through belief in the truth. He called you to this through our gospel that you might share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, brothers and sisters, stand firm and hold fast to the teachings we passed on to you, whether by word of mouth or by letter. May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope, encourage your heart and strengthen you in every good deed and word. So the last couple of weeks, we've been looking at some of the ways that the Bible teaches us to pray. One of the great things about the Bible is it's not just a textbook with boring things about God. It is a book that is all about God, but it shows us how to love him, how to live for him, how to worship him, how to pray to him. And Mike, for the last couple of weeks, has taken us through some of Paul, the guy who wrote 2 Thessalonians, some of his prayers, the way he teaches us to pray. And I want to show you one more, although this one you might notice feels slightly different. You see, in a very loose categorization, and you could definitely have more categories than this, when you look at all the different prayers, different sorts. So there are some prayers that you might call... Right? A doxology just means praise. So where you find a prayer that is praising God, that is a doxological prayer. A prayer like, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we could ask imagine, to him be power and praise and glory and honor. That's doxology, right? Praising God. And you get a bunch of doxological prayers in the Bible, and they're fantastic, and we should use them. Then you get prayers that are intercessions. That is where you are asking God for things. You are asking for something, maybe for yourself, sometimes for other people. And if you think about the things that, if you've been here the last couple of weeks, what we've looked at have been intercessions where Paul has been praying for a church and he's been asking God to do something for this church, to fill them with a spiritual understanding, for knowledge of his will, through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. God is, God, would you please do that for this group over here? And the Bible's full of intercessions. Lord, forgive me. Lord, help me. Lord, give me my daily bread. They're intercessions. I'm asking for something. 
But then there's a third category, and that's the one I want to look at today. And that is benedictions. A benediction is what you've got in verses 16 and 17. A benediction is when you speak, it literally means to speak good words to someone. And so it's odd, isn't it, verse 16 and 17? Who's he addressing? It feels a bit strange, doesn't it? May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and by his good grace and eternal encouragement and good hope, encourage your hearts. So he's sort of speaking to them, but he's speaking God's blessing on them, right? That's a benediction. And that's what I want us to think about, because I think that we're quite good at doxology and we're quite good at intercession, but I can't remember the last time I did a sort of benediction type speaking. You see, benedictions tend to get relegated to the end of services where the preacher's finished and it's a nice way to end, right? And it's like, and now to him, now may the God, grace, mercy and blessing be upon you and all that and then you will go home. And it's, that's, there's much more So I want us to get excited this afternoon about the idea of benediction. And I want us to learn together how we might use that to be a real blessing. And if you're sitting here and you're not a Christian and you're just working stuff out, it is brilliant that you're here. Because you're going to hear what it means to live a life under God's blessing and favor. That's going to be good. That's going to be exciting, I hope, for you. But before we dive into this in particular, let me just say, those, just think of those three categories again. Doxology, intercession, and benediction. The interesting thing is that I think you see all of those in our culture. Actually, human beings can't avoid those sorts of ways of thinking and reacting to things. Even people who don't believe in God still find something of doxology within them. That is something in them where they experience something and they want to praise something. So you get to the top of the mountain, it's beautiful, there's a sunrise, it's absolutely perfect. I don't know how you got to the top of the mountain before the sun rose, but there it is. It's never happened to me. I imagine it's beautiful. And you find yourself just wanting to... Wow! Thank you! Something. It's why when you listen to scientists and you listen to um, someone like Brian Cox, you'll have heard me say this before, but it's just one of my little rants. If you listen to someone, they, they talk about majesty and they talk about wonder and they talk about beauty, even though they don't believe in God. Because there's something in us that's drawn out in Wow, wonder. It's not enough to go, well, it's just an accident, isn't it? No, we can't be satisfied with that. We are doxological beings. We have it woven into us, and therefore there must be an outlet for our praise, even if we don't know what that is. And so there is doxology, but it is severed from the true object of praise. That's what you see in our world. It's why it's so frustrating often for people to think, I can't believe this is just, what do I do with this beauty? What do I do with this wonder? It's true with intercession. Many people get to a point in their lives where they find themselves crying out for something. Is there something that will help me? 
which is what um, Alcoholics Anonymous would call the higher power, that people sort of find something yearning within them that says, I need help. Is there anything out there that can help me? Something beyond me, something bigger than me. I need help. Please help me. A cry into the darkness. That's intercession. But the trouble is, in our culture, it is severed from the giver of help. And so people find themselves desperately in need of help and crying out for help, but they don't know what they're crying to because it's been severed. So you have doxology severed from its objects and you have intercession severed from the giver and then you have benediction. And I think this is the clearest one to see. You hear words of benediction all the time. When someone says to you, hey, have a nice day, What is that? Why do people say that? Why would I be interested in you having a nice day? Because there's something in me that wants your good. And so I speak words of blessing. I hope you have a safe journey. I hope you have a lovely holiday. That's benediction. Speaking good words over you. You sit on greetings cards all the time, right? Roses are red, violets are blue. May all your dreams come true. (laughs) I don't think that's my career. (laughs) But what is that? What is that? May all your dreams come true. May you find happiness. May you find joy. May you have a wonderful life. That's benediction. But what it's done is it's severed from its source. And so when we say, may all your dreams come true, or may you have a great day, (laughs) there's no grounds on which I'm hoping that that might happen. There's no source that I'm able to call upon in order that you might have a great day. Just say, well, I hope you have. In which case, let's cross our fingers and see how it goes. So I want to bless you, I want to speak benediction over you, but if I've severed it from the source, well then all I've got is a kind of bland bleh. I hope you have a nice day. And when you get to the end of your day and you've had a rubbish day, you can phone me up and say, well, your hopes did be no good. Well, stuff you, I don't want your benedictions ever again because they're useless. And what you get in the Bible so brilliantly is that doxology is reconnected to its true object. And you discover that praise, you were created to praise the creator. You were created to praise the God of all beauty. And your doxology finds its object. Your intercession finds the giver, the God who gives when you ask. The God who loves to give, who will forgive you when you ask him, who will pour out all that you ask him, all that you need, all that... He knows that you need. And you find the God who is the source of true blessing. That means I might be able to speak a benediction over you from a source that is genuinely powerful. So let's have a think about this theme of benediction then in the Bible. You're going to have to leave doxology and intercession for another time. Let's think about this theme of doxology. Benediction. Actually, it comes up all over the place in the Bible when you start looking for it. The first benediction in the Bible is spoken by God himself. 
when he created human beings, he blessed them and said, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue. It's right back in Genesis 1. Here is the God who creates, creates humanity for the very purpose of benediction, of living under his good words, his good favor, his blessing, his smile. His favor rests upon humanity and God speaks his blessing. Of course, if you know anything of the story of the Bible, you know that human beings rejected that, they turned away, and they moved from a place of blessing to a place of curse. And yet still, God was relentlessly committed to blessing humanity. And so even in the midst of judgment, God speaks words of blessing. So to Abraham, he says, the Lord bless you. I will bless you. I will make you a great nation. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. You see, this language of benediction, it's God who speaks a word of benediction. So you see, when we begin to learn to speak benedictions to one another, we're beginning to learn to speak like God speaks. So God does it. But then you discover human beings do it to one another. In God's name. Human beings become like a a mediator of that blessing. Here is God in his glory and blessing. And human beings are able to speak that blessing to one another. The most famous example of this is in Numbers chapter 6. And it was the priests, Aaron and his sons, who had this specific responsibility The Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron and his sons, this is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. I think they're some of the most beautiful words ever written. Here's Aaron, a human being, declaring a benediction on the people. The Lord's favor rests upon you. Who's he speaking to? Well, he's sort of speaking to them, but he's speaking sort of on behalf of God. So it's sort of a prayer, a prayer that God's blessing would rest on you. That's what benediction is. And then you get all sorts of other examples through the Old Testament. When, when um, Jacob dies, he blesses his sons. Um, Boaz blesses Ruth. Naomi blesses Boaz. They're all at it, right? Benedicting each other. <laughs> That's not a verb. And then the, kind of all of that finds its climax in this stunning moment when at the end of Luke's gospel, if you've got a, we, we are getting to two Thessalonians. Um, this is how Luke ends his gospel. When Jesus had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. So Jesus has died on a cross, he's risen from the dead, he's lifted up his hands and he blesses them. The Lord bless you. Can you imagine that? 
Come on, imagine that you were there. Imagine you were one of his disciples and you looked into the face of Jesus who had died on a cross in your place for your sin, who'd risen from the dead. His arms are now raised. He's looking straight into your eyes and he says, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord be gracious to you and turn his face towards you. Can you imagine that? And the next thing that happens, Luke tells us, is that while he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. It's not that he finishes his blessing and then is taken. It's while he was blessing them. So Jesus ascends back to heaven with his arms raised in blessing over his disciples and in an ongoing sense over therefore all of his people. He returns to heaven with his arms raised in blessing. He is the great blessing giver. He is the one who pronounces the great benediction. And then as you go on through the Bible, you discover that Paul, when he thought of Christians that he was writing to, like the Christians in Thessalonians, he found himself writing these same words, these same ideas. He took the kind of images that I've been talking about, this, this benediction, this image of Jesus with his hands raised, and Paul then steps in and says, and I'm going to speak that blessing over you. And I think Paul is therefore providing a model for all of us. This is what we can all now do for one another. We can speak this way. And so in Thessalonians, if you come back, you're probably still in Thessalonians, you probably didn't leave it. But anyway, I, I've been all over the place. Um, when you come back, when you, when you look at 2 Thessalonians, it is a tough place. They are struggling. Um, they are in great, um, they're experiencing great persecution. And it's chaos, and there's a man of lawlessness and, um, who's going to come, and there's, there's huge stress and pressure and persecution on this church. And so you get this, Paul is desperate that they would stand firm. He says, look, you're loved by you, you're, you're, you've been loved by God, you've been chosen by God, you've been sanctified, he's called you that you might share in his glory, so hold on, hold on, hold on. And then he's holding on as he appeals to them and he commands them to hold on. It then sort of morphs into this, but actually I'm not just confident that you can hold on. He says, but, and may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father... May he bless you. I, I, think it's, I think his benediction is really beautiful. And as we now just very quickly look at this, I, I want us to look at this because it will help us then to learn how to do it ourselves. It will help us to enjoy it ourselves and then how to do it for others. And it's pretty clear that Paul has not severed the link between intercession, uh, between benediction and the source. He is very clear what the source is. And all we can do is look at the source, um, the grounds, and the content of this benediction. So what's the source of the benediction? Well, verse 16, may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father. That's where it comes from. Be easy to skip over that, wouldn't it? But those names. <laughs> our Lord Jesus Christ. 
He's ours. That means he's personal. This is a benediction that comes personally, not some abstract, oh, some bloke over there. Ah, Lord Jesus Christ, he's ours. We know him. We get to call him ours. He's our Lord. He's Lord. He has all authority, all power. He's the sovereign ruler, the Lord. And he's Jesus. Jesus who came as a man in history. Jesus born of a carpenter, raised in Galilee. It's Jesus. Jesus the man. And he's Christ. Christ, that is the fulfillment of all of the Old Testament, all of the hopes, all of the promises, all of the dreams, all of the ambitions, all of the expectations, all of the blessings that have been spoken. Where are they all going to land? On Christ. He's the Christ. He's the fulfillment. He's the Messiah, the anointed one, the promised one, the one that God would always said would come. He's here. It's Christ. He is Lord and Christ. He is our Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul says, may our Lord Jesus Christ himself, would he be the source of our blessing? I love this about Jesus. You don't have to go through a third party. You don't have to go through some, you know, devious route, through some personal assistant who puts you on hold and says, oh, I'll get back to you. You don't have to go through some other saint. You don't have to go through Mary. You don't have to pray through anyone or anything else. It's our Lord Jesus Christ himself who is the source of our blessing. It all comes to him. You go direct to him. And that's just the Jesus bit. Our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father. This is the creator, Elohim, the all-powerful, almighty maker of everything who we get to call God Father. Heavenly Father, creator Father. And Paul says, when I'm going to speak a blessing on you, I want you to know the source that it comes from. This is not a fiddling little source that might run dry. This is not a battery that's got a little bit of power left so that your toy car might run out at any moment. This is our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father. There is a reservoir of blessing here that will never be drained and will never be exhausted. You will never outlast it or outlive it. It is blessing unlimited. Because it comes from him. So when I say to you, have a nice day, that's pathetic. It, genuinely, if I ever say that to you again in your life, you need to say, John, you can do better than that. You have our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father. Why don't we try seeing what they've got rather than your have a nice day? So there's the source. Let's be, the more we know of that source, the more able we'll be to enjoy that source and to speak that blessing to others. Okay, what's the grounds? Well, our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, 
who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope. Paul doesn't just say, may God bless you. Oh, God bless you. He doesn't say that. He's got this rich description of who God is. And then he says, oh, by the way, that Lord Jesus Christ and God our Father who I'm speaking about, he's the God who loved you. And by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope. This is the grounds upon which we speak a blessing. What God has done. I want you to notice that this says, does not say that God loves you. It says that God has loved you. And in fact, if you read the New Testament, you will discover it is far more common that the Bible says that God loved you than it says he loves you. We prefer to be told oh, God loves you because it feels immediate and present and lovely and warm. But God wants to give you not a nice present moment experience of a warm feeling. He wants to give you a solid ground upon which you can know that you're loved. God says, I have loved you. You say, well, why is it past tense? Well, because God's great act of love was to give his son to die for you. The Son of God loved me and gave himself up for me. That's Galatians 2. He loved me. And so my present experience of his love is utterly grounded and rooted in the past reality of God's act of love on our behalf. He loved us. So I will never sit with a daisy pulling off its petals going, he loves me, he loves me not. He loves me, he loves me not. All I've got is, he loved me, he loved me, he loved me. And when I'm feeling miserable, he still he loved me, he loved me, he loved me. That's the grounds. When you screw up and when you sin horribly and when you fail and you let God down and you feel like a wretch, he loved you. May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved you. How can I ever be sure of his blessing now when I've made such a mess? Because he loved you. And he gave you eternal encouragement and good hope. I think that word encouragement is a... um, Whenever I hear that word encouragement, I think of someone cheering me on. Yay, go, go. And I think eternal encouragement, that's going to get annoying. I don't want to live my life with someone constantly going, yay, yay, Jonty, you can do it. You know, in Joseph and Telica, Telica Dreamcoat, go, 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 Joe. Is it? No. Um, I, don't, I don't, you know, it sounds exhausting to have that. That's, I don't think that's what it means. The word actually has much more the idea of comfort. It is eternal comfort. It's that sort of encouragement. It's the comfort that when you are in distress, God has given you a comfort which lasts. So when his people were in distress, when his people were in exile, in the book of Isaiah, in Isaiah 40 and verse 1, it's the turning point of the book of Isaiah, where God says, comfort, comfort my people. And he speaks his word of comfort over his rebellious, disobedient people who deserve to be judged, but he speaks his comfort. And God has spoken 
a comfort over us. Not a nice, oh, there, there, you'll be okay. But a comfort that says, I know you've sinned, but I've forgiven it. I, I sent my son to die for you. He's paid for all of your sin. It's all been forgiven. You are free. You are forgiven. You are loved. That is eternal comfort. That's the sort of comfort that you wake up every single day and you say, I need that today. And it will never run out because it's eternal. And it's eternal because it comes from this great source of blessing. And he's given us eternal comfort, encouragement, and good hope. I love that. He's given us good hope. There's plenty of bad hope in this world. Stuff that will promise to give you hope. Stuff that will promise to satisfy you. Stuff that will promise to bring you joy. Stuff that will promise to make you fulfilled. That that will promise to bring you blessing in your life. Only God gives good hope. See, all that other hope turns bad, right? It feels good for a little while, but it goes bad on you. Here is God who's given you good hope. The sort of hope you can rely on. So here it is. Here's the source. Wow, our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father. Okay, but on what grounds would I ever expect that Lord Jesus Christ and God our Father, on what grounds would I ever expect that he would bless me? Because he loved us. And through his grace as a free gift has given us eternal encouragement and good hope. Of course he's going to bless. Okay, well what's the blessing then? What's he going to speak? Verse 17, may this God encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. Not may he make all your dreams come true, but may he strengthen you and encourage you and in the midst of your struggle and in the midst of your hardship and when you feel Thessalonians like you're about to lose grip and when you see evil around you and it feels overwhelming, may this God be your comfort, your encouragement. May he be the pillow for your soul to rest upon. And may he be the one that strengthens you that you would continue to do what is good, to do the right thing, to say the right thing. May God bless you to do that. That's how Paul prays for them. That's his confidence. It would be easy for Paul to write to them and say, listen, it's looking pretty bad. I don't know if you're going to make it. Let's hope so. But instead, he has this great benediction for them. And when you think about this, I hope you can see what, what an incredible thing it would be if we learned to speak like this to one another. Um, it, was, it was someone's birthday this week. It's probably been several people's birthdays. Um, but someone's birthday was on Facebook. And it said, you know, so-and-so's birthday today, happy birthday. And I read through the comments, and happy birthday. Hey, happy birthday, have a great birthday, hope you have fun, have fun, yay, have fun, have fun. Then I came across this comment. And this comment was, and he's not here so I can say this, this comment was from Trevor. And it made me think, it was fascinating, because I was doing this sermon, He didn't know I was doing this sermon. And I thought to myself, I think we as a generation, you as a generation, us, younger people, (laughs) um, 
I don't think we know how to do this very naturally. But for Trevor, it was really natural. He just said, may the Lord bless you this year. Or something like that. He spoke a blessing. And that was his instinctive reaction. I say, wouldn't that that be brilliant if we could learn to do that for each other? The number of trite, I've been so convicted this week, the number of trite, rubbish things I say. Oh, I hope it turns out all right. I hope that goes okay. And it's going to feel weird because all of us are going to feel weird, right? Because they're going to go, oh, you're super spiritual, aren't you? He's like, no, I'm not. I just want you to be blessed. I genuinely want you to be blessed by our great God and Father. And so I want to encourage you to think about how you could speak a benediction or write text. And if you think, oh, I I, I wouldn't know what to say, that's okay, there's tons of them. I mean, look, by the end of chapter 3, we've got another one, chapter 3, verse 16. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way the Lord be with all of you. There's loads of them in the Bible. Find some benedictions. And then learn a couple. And then use them to speak God's blessing, to pray. And actually, it probably starts by you praying them on your own. As you walk down the street and someone comes into your mind and you think, oh, may the Lord bless him. And may the Lord make his face shine upon him. May May our Lord Jesus Christ himself, who loved him... And then text and say, I was praying this for you. And bit by bit, wouldn't it be amazing if our trite little severed best wishes become reconnected to the source of blessing, that we might genuinely speak blessing to one another and desire that for one another and desire that for ourselves. So I think that's how we should be praying. You start with the source. You say, may God, who is this. You think about the grounds. This is why I could be confident I can say this. And may he do this. And the things that we then pray off the back of that are big things. They're gospel things. They're ambitious things. They're expectant things. They're not small little, you know, help them to have a nice day. They're, they're big strengthen you, encourage you, help you to get to the end. Keep going, persevere. And they're expectant and God will do it because he's faithful. Guys, I hope this makes some sense. I hope this gets you thinking a little bit. Benedictions. And in all of this, we can only do this because of Jesus who first raised his arms in blessing over us.